Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. So this is an amazing storm. We're going to be looking, about, looking at time and how it's important for us to shift our priorities as it relates to time. And if you're like me, you know that time moves fast. It doesn't wait on anybody. And I've experienced that myself because this past week, I had a birthday. Thank you so much. Um, and I will say this, that I am one year closer to death. Um, but I'm still in my 20s. So I'm still young for uh, I don't know how much more time. But anyway, um, and, and as I think about time and as I think about how fast time, I'm just reminded of it just seems like yesterday. If we could say, it seems like yesterday we were kids, or some of us might have kids that are adults now, and it seems like yesterday we were kids. I just remember it seems like just yesterday I was driving my, riding my bike down the street, going to the playground, listening to the music in the 90s. Y'all know the 90s had some good music, you know, some Backstreet Boys, um, some Tupac, some Dr. Dre, um, some NSYNC, you know, all this stuff. And back in the day, if, if you were a fan of a certain artist, you didn't have to be worried about being labeled like today. Like today, if you're a fan, like if you are a, a Taylor Swift fan, you are a Swifty, right? Swifters. Where are any Taylor Swift fans in here? No. Okay. Oh, a couple people. All right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, if you are a Beyonce fan, you are considered a part of the Beehive. Any Beehive people in here? All right. <laughs> We have all these names, but back then we didn't have names. If we were a fan of an artist or a musician, we were just a fan. And there was no question about it that the number one band in the 90s and early 2000s was, and I need some help if you agree with me, was NSYNC, right? One of my NSYNC fans, no? Come on. They were the best band. They were the best band. We did talent shows. Y'all remember that hit, Bye Bye Bye. You know, it was awesome. And, and the reason why I loved NSYNC so much was because of, well, really many reasons, but one, JT, their lead singer. Justin Timberlake fans. No, yes, maybe so. All right, a couple of people. Y'all got to, we need some more fandom in here. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Justin Timberlake, and, and he was, he's awesome. He does all these different things. He performed this past year at the Super Bowl. There was no wardrobe misfunctions this time. So that was good. Um, but he's also an actor. He's also an actor, and he did a movie several years back, several years back. Some of y'all might have heard of it called uh, In Time. In Time. And in this movie, for those who have not seen it yet, basically the, they live in a world where you had your time on your wrist, on your arm, of how much time you had left to live. And they lived in a world where money did not exist. So if you went to work and you were rich, you had more time. To live. If you was poor, you would work and you would look and you wouldn't have a lot of time. So the idea of time being money literally was their reality. But the thing about their situation is if you had more money, you could buy more time so the people who were rich could live forever. But the truth of reality for us, for you and I, we cannot buy more time. We cannot buy more time. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter. All of us are given 24 hours in a day, 168 hours per week. And what we value most, we have to be 
important, we have to think and make it important for us to prioritize our time on the things that we value most. And, and for the big thought for this morning that I want you to take as it relates to time and us shifting our time, is I want to encourage you to shift your time to prioritize God's kingdom. To shift your time. Shift your time. Look at your time. Look at what you're doing with your time. And I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning to shift your time to prioritize God's kingdom. If you think about driving a car, I used to do valet parking, and I learned how many people drive stick shifts in here, a couple of people. All right, y'all are anointed because um, that is hard to do. Um, I learned how to drive stick shifts on other people's cars when I was doing valet parking. Um, <laughs> don't tell the Marriott, um, but I learned fast because I needed to make the tips, so I learned super fast. But the way it works is once you get to a certain speed, you have to shift the gears because you max out. You max out at a speed. You max out at a capacity. And if you don't shift the gears, you are not able to go to the next level that the car is able to go at. And as it relates to you and I this morning, I don't believe it's by accident that we're sitting here. God wants to speak to us through this text of how important it is for us to shift gears as it relates into how we are managing our time. To shift gears so that we are prioritizing God's kingdom because at the end of the day, only what we do for God matters. At the end of the day, our kingdom isn't going to matter a couple thousand, a million years from now, but what we do for God will last forever. So as we think about shifting gears, let's look at this story. If you start at the first couple of verses, you see it says, Now when Jesus returned, to the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. They were waiting for Jesus. And there came a man named Jairus. So a little bit about Jairus. Jairus was a ruler. He was a leader. He was, he was rich. And he had a daughter. His daughter was 12 years old, and his daughter was very ill. Then you have to think about this man. This, this man, he, he comes from the Jewish context. Judaism wasn't widely a fan of Jesus at this time. So this man, he, he has all this power. He has all this position. He has all these things, and he finds himself in an impossible situation. I could only imagine that he's exhausted all of his resources. He's called everyone that he knew to call him. He's done every, all the rituals. He's done all this stuff, and he hears about a man named Jesus. And he's willing to risk his reputation to go, and he comes to Jesus, and he falls, and he bows, and he, and he begs of Jesus to come heal his daughter. What does this tell us? No matter how rich you are, no matter how much success you have in this world, we are all going to find ourselves in a situation where we need Jesus. We're going to find ourselves in a situation where our power, our connections, what we know, our degree, all these things are not going to matter. And if you think that I'm lying, when you die and it comes time for judgment day, it literally does not matter what you had here. If Jesus Christ, if you did not call on the name of Jesus Christ, there's nothing that you could attain in this world that can make you back in right standing with God except Jesus. So we think about he comes, he comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, master, can you come, can you come to my house? So Jesus, they agree. So Jesus is now with Jairus, and they're walking to their house, walking to Jairus' house. They had a plan. They knew what they were going to do with their time. 
Many of us, we, we have plans in life. We know, you know, by this day, I want to uh, finish school. By this day, I want to graduate. By this day, I want to get my, my master's, my doctorate. By this day, I want to be married. By this day, I want to have kids. I, we have our plans that we put in place. When I get home today, I'm going to watch Netflix for three hours instead of two hours. We have our plans in place. I'm going to go to the movies. We have our plans in place. When I go to work, I'm not going to talk to this person because this person gets on my nerves. Um, we have all these plans in place. And we see Jesus and Jairus, they have a plan in place on how they're going to use their time. And many of us, we have our own plan subconsciously in our mind on how we're going to use our time. This is what I'm going to do when I wake up. This is what I'm going to do. We have our plans, and they are on the way with their plan. They had it all planned. Now I'm going to spend this much time here. We're going to, we're going to walk to Jairus' house. So Jairus is, is pushing people through the crowd. Jesus is following him like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. My daughter is sick. Come on, Jesus. And then I could imagine Jairus, he's pushing people through the crowd. And then all of a sudden he turns and he looks back. He doesn't see Jesus. People are like, what's going on? We had a plan, Jesus. I was supposed to be married at this age, Jesus. I was supposed to have kids at this age, Jesus. I was supposed to get this promotion by this age, Jesus. I thought we had a plan in place. But Jesus, as we're going to see, that plan gets interrupted. Let's look at verse 42 through 46. As, and it says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years. So let me tell you something about, about this, this woman. She had this discharge for 12 years. It says that she spent tons of money going to all these physicians. She, on contrary to, to Jairus, she didn't have a, a good reputation. She, she, she wasn't a part of the elite in the society. But she finds herself in a position to where she needs Jesus also. So we have Jairus, and then we have her. We have Jairus. Jairus, actually, his name gets called. This woman doesn't even get a name. It says the woman, we hear about it all the time, the woman with the issue of blood, she doesn't even get a name. And I think it's, 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 it's interesting that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old, and this woman had this issue of this blood for 12 years. So we, so, so, so we see this, and, and she comes, and she touches Jesus, and Jesus stops, and, and uh, it says he touched the fringe and his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood stopped, and Jesus is like, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Someone had touched Jesus with faith. Someone had touched Jesus expecting and believing something, and she was healed automatically. And as we think about how we should reprioritize our time, we can see in this text that Jesus reprioritizes his time for three different things. And I want us to write this down. The first one that we can see right here is that Jesus reprioritizes his time to serve the needs of others. To serve the needs of others. He was going. He had his assignment. He knew what he was doing. He had a timeline. He had a schedule. We're going to Jairus' house. But he gets interrupted, but he doesn't mind the interruption because he, his goal is to serve people's needs, to serve the needs of those around him. How many of us are serving the needs of the people around us with our time? How many of us? And, and, and it reminds me of a, a couple weeks ago, literally two weeks ago, I was on the way to Tulane University. Are any Tulane students in here? One. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I was going to Tulane 
uh, Vintage Church, we, we sponsor a church on campus once a month at Tulane University. And I call myself going to serve the needs of all these college students. And I'm driving on Earhart Expressway because that's like the back way. You don't want to stay in the traffic. So I'm on Earhart Expressway. I'm going. I'm running a little late because that's what we do in New Orleans. We're running a little late everywhere. And I'm, I'm going. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it there about 10, 5 or 10 minutes early. So I'm excited about this. Um, and then I hear my car and it goes, Roop. I just hear this noise, and I'm driving, it's like, doo-doo, doo-doo, and I'm thinking to myself, I know that's not no flat tire. I'm like, I'm going to go do the work of the Lord. The devil, you are a liar. That is not a flat tire. I'm not going to get a flat tire. I'm on a mission for God. So I'm driving, I keep driving. Doo-doo, doo-doo. I'm like, that sounds like a, so I look down my window, and I'm like, no, that's, that's in my head. And then all of a sudden I hear, boom, and the tire falls off. I'm like, oh, it's a flat tire. <laughs> so there I am, stuck on the side of Earhart Expressway on the way to Tulane University. I was going to be early. Now I'm like, I'm going to be late. I didn't know what to do. I'm texting Danny. I'm like, Danny, hey, you might have to preach. I don't know. I'm stuck. So I, I get out of my car, and I really don't have much time. And where my car stopped, it was like halfway in the mud. So in order for me to, like, get underneath it and change the tire, I would have to get muddy, and then the Tulane kids wouldn't listen to me. So I'm like... I don't know what to do, so I was like, I'm going to call an Uber. Call an Uber. So I call the Uber, and it says the Uber driver is like five minutes away. I'm like, thank you, Lord. But I'm looking. Whenever you use Uber, you can see which path Uber is telling them to take. So the path that Uber was telling this Uber driver to take was to come to Earhart Expressway where there was no entrance to Earhart Expressway. So I call him. I'm like, sir, you know, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm kind of in a hurry. Your GPS is going to show you one way, but you cannot go that way. If you go that way, I'm going to see you, but there's going to be a huge fence blocking us, and you're not going to be able to get to me. I was like, you got me? He was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. What does he do? He comes right up to the fence. I'm like, sir, what are you doing? I'm like looking at the clock. He's like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to go around. So he, he sees himself. He tries to go around, and I'm watching him go around. I am near the border of New Orleans or Orleans Parish, and I'm looking at him on the app, and he's going, Further and further into Metairie. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm going to be late. So I'm like, this is so bad. So I was like, well, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk to Holly Grove and then maybe catch an Uber there. So I start walking. I'm looking. I start walking. And then a, a, a car passes me. And then they stop. And they, they lit down the window and roll back. I'm like, yes, Lord. Someone, you sent us a ram in a bush. Like, this somebody I know. Like, yes, I know I grew up here. Thank you, Lord. I know I have somebody that knows me. This person reverses back. It's somebody I've never seen a day in my life. Literally. He was like, hey, you need help, man? I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, I don't really have time to change the tire because I'm late somewhere. And he was like, hop in. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm on a mission and assignment for you. <laughs> Protect me. <laughs> so I get in the car, and he's like, where are you going? I was like, the Tulane. He's like, all right, I'll give you a ride. Gives me a ride at Tulane, drops me right off at the, at the chapel, and I'm like, man, I, like, I just didn't know what to do. This was a complete stranger. I'm like, can I give you some money? Like, what's your Venmo? What's your cash app? Like, like I want to show you that I'm, I'm grateful. And he's like, no. You, you, don't, you don't have to do anything. I was able to serve and help you, and I wanted to do that. Do you know in that moment, I don't know if you ever felt hopeless before, but if you, feel, if you get in a hopeless situation and somebody comes out the kindness of their heart to serve you, 
in that moment, I would have been open to anything he had to say. I wanted to know what on earth would make you stop and pick me up, go out your way to bring me here, and you don't even know me. And as it relates to you and I, as we think about prioritizing our time to serve others, that's what type of servanthood. I'm not telling you to pick up strangers on the side of the road. Blessed the Lord tells you. But I'm telling you, be willing to go out your way. Be willing to stop your plans. Be willing to stop what you have planned to do the work of the Lord for people around you. Be willing to serve them because when you serve them, that opens up the opportunity for you to present the gospel. It opens up that opportunity. How many people do we pass at our job, our neighbors, all the time? We have all these opportunities to go out our way and serve others. But a lot of times we're so worried about our time and our agenda, but we need to have a shift in our priorities to be in tune with what's going on around us so that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, stop and talk to that person, stop and get this person a coffee, stop and do this, we are in tune and we're able to serve the people around us. And, and, And as I think about this guy who stopped to serve me, it was an inconvenience for him. He had to go out his way. And a lot of times we don't want to serve other people because it's an inconvenience for us. It's an inconvenience to talk to the person we don't like. It's an inconvenience for us to, 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 to plug in and to serve people at the church. It's an inconvenience to show up early. It's an inconvenience, but when we're thinking about being inconvenienced, we're so wrapped up in ourselves that we can't even see what it's about the Savior and about what he's called us to do. So Jesus reprioritizes his time to serve the needs of others. Now let's look at verse 47 and 48. So after this happens, uh, Jesus like, somebody touched me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people. So this is, let me tell you what's going on. This woman, she touches Jesus, because she's embarrassed. She, she's like, I have this broken, and she touches Jesus, and she's healed. So she's kind of like probably hoping that, okay, I'm good. I'm healed. I don't have to let everybody know. But Jesus is like, no, he stops the show. Somebody touched me. And he's like, who did it? Who did it? And then she finally, she comes, and she, and she kneels, and she's telling her story about why she touched Jesus and what she had. And then in this, we can see that Jesus reprioritizes his time to not only serve the needs of others, but also to strengthen the faith of others. To strengthen the faith of others. He, he, he reprioritizes his agenda to strengthen the faith of others. And how does he do it? He does that by, by, by calling her. And let's, let's continue reading. So she comes and she says all this stuff. And Jesus says to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Wow. This lady who had no name is now being called daughter. This is the only person in Scripture, the only individual that Jesus addresses as daughter. She was an outcast. Jesus reprioritizes his time to to serve and and, and to strengthen the faith of her. But what what, what does he do? Also, I just love Jesus because he's like, he doesn't just let the miracle happen. He brings her forth. And it says, who does, she, who does she say it? In the presence of all the people. What does that tell us? It tells us that, that, that she shares what Jesus did for her so that the people around her can be strengthened in their faith. How many times do we share what Jesus has done for us so that people around us can be strengthened in their faith? 
You know why a lot of people have problems with going to church? It's because a lot of people at the church like to put on a mask, act like everything is perfect, and when people go in, they're looking around, they're like, look at all these perfect people. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I have all these problems. I can't fit in here. But everybody in this room has, that's experienced Jesus, has experienced Jesus doing a work in their heart, has experienced Jesus healing them, has experienced Jesus setting them free from different addictions. All of us have a past. This woman had a past, and Jesus says, come, and she shares her story, and, and she shares her testimony with others and strengthens their faith. When is the last time you shared your testimony with someone? When's the last time? Because I don't know about you, me, myself, even the pastors, this is a pastor appreciation, but we have problems too. We have struggles too. I'll be, I'll be the first one to tell you about what the Lord has seen me through. I'll be the first person to tell you about how God has healed me from different things because that's how people are transformed by the testimony. And, and as you think about sharing stories and, and, and things of that nature, I know that a lot of people like to share stories of what they experience because of something called Yelp. Where are all my Yelpers in here? Yelpers. All right. Yelpers, in case you don't know, they get online, they get on Yelp, and they write about their experience. And now it's gotten to the point to where they have Yelp for everything. They have Yelp for restaurants. They have Yelp for everywhere you go. They even have Yelp for churches. So yesterday... I decided to be bold and go look at Vintage Church's Yelp to see what we had on there. So we do have a, we have a page on Yelp, in case you didn't know, Vintage Church has a page on Yelp. And I go on, and I see some pictures, and I'm, I'm like, all right, Lord, let's see what our reviews are. I look, and guess what? We have no reviews. <laughs> so y'all Yelpers, go help us out. Because other churches in the city, they have Yelp reviews. We don't have any Yelp reviews. But I think about Yelp, and as you think about Yelp, I use Yelp a lot, especially uh, if I'm traveling. If you're out of town, you use Yelp a lot. And I remember I was in California a couple weeks ago, and I, I used Yelp because I wanted to find a gym to go to. And the gym that I was going to go to, I looked on Yelp because Yelp doesn't only allow you to write a review. It also allows you to post pictures. And I looked on Yelp, and what did I see? I saw the gym I was about to go to had roaches. <laughs> in the bathroom, they took a picture of the roach, uh, and then they had the machines, and then they showed, like, the rust on the machines, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can go to this gym. So then I was, like, looking at the other gym that was, like, super nice, and they had, like, someone that greets you with a towel, and they, like, give you massages and give you water while you're working out, and I'm like, yes, that's my gym, until I saw the price, and I was like, okay, we're just going to go to the gym with the roaches and just be ready. <laughs> be on standby to step on some roaches' heads. <laughs> but I made my decision. My, my, my decision um, was affected by what I heard, by what, I, what, what, what someone else was sharing. And, 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 and my decision to, to try to go to the other gym was strengthened by what I saw, by what I heard. How are we reprioritizing our time like Jesus to strengthen the faith of others around us? So we see that. 
We see that, and I've been so encouraged by people at Vintage reprioritizing their time to, 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 to show and to strengthen the faith of others. I was talking to somebody last week who was telling me about his relative who he brought to Vintage Nights because he knew that he needed to be around some Christian community, going out his way, doing things that were not in line with his time, reprioritizing his time so that he can bring his relative into an environment with other believers. I heard about somebody else from Vintage that was at, they had their co-worker, their, he and his co-worker, they didn't really get along. They've been working together for years. He goes out of his way this past week and stops and and apologizes and starts talking to that person, and it opens up a door to share the gospel. There's so many cool stories that are happening here in Vintage, and I want to encourage you to be willing to reprioritize your time to strengthen the faith of those around you. And then it closes up. Let's look at the last couple verses, 49 through 56. It says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him and says to, to Jairus, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. So this man comes, he's like, hey, your daughter is dead. I know you went to get Jesus, but the situation now is impossible. You know, when she was sick, there's a possibility that maybe Jesus would come and heal her. But now she's dead, Jairus. Don't mess with Jesus anymore. She's dead. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Keep the faith. Keep believing. And, and Jesus goes, and they get there, and, and he doesn't let everybody in the house. He only lets a few people in the house, and he heals the daughter. He heals the daughter. What's the last point? How does Jesus reprioritize his time? Not only to serve the needs of others, not only to strengthen the faith of others, but to show his authority to others. This was an impossible situation. Jesus, he brings three people back from death, from death before he brings himself back. But he wants them to know that no matter what situation it might be, that he still had ultimate authority. He had authority over death. He has authority over sin. And I don't know what situation you might be in this morning, but Jesus Christ has the ultimate authority. He has authority over this world. He has authority over politics. He has authority over our minds. He has authority over our bodies. He has authority. And it's so easy to look at these other things that exist in the world, to look at depression, to look at anxiety, to look at brokenness, to look at all these different things, all the results of depravity in our world. It's so easy to look at these things and to feel like we're hopeless, but we're not hopeless because we serve a Jesus that has all authority. And we can't forget that. And we have to live our lives in a way that reflects that he is the ultimate authority. He has authority. Authority. Growing up, I didn't have authority in my house because it wasn't my house. My parents had authority. They wanted to throw a party. They would throw a party without telling me anything. I wanted to throw a party. I had to ask them or I'd get spanked. But they, they didn't have to ask me. And I remember I would go home sometimes, and there would be a bunch of ladies in the house. And I'd be like, what is going on? They were having a Tupperware party. <laughs> How many of y'all know about those Tupperware parties? And I'm like, okay. And I like the Tupperware parties because they usually would use the Tupperware to bake a dessert to show how good the Tupperware was. And I would eat the dessert. So it was a win-win situation. And, you know, they have these jewelry parties, these Mary Kay parties. Some of y'all still have those parties. Don't invite me. Um, <laughs> but all these parties. And, and, and several years ago, this is a true story I heard on the radio, 
that, that there was, I'm getting ready to close at this point, there was a, a, a jewelry party, this is, you can look it up online, there was a jewelry party uh, in Florida going on, a bunch of older ladies having a jewelry party. So they're like showing their jewelry, they're like, oh, you know, whatever they do. Um, and they're having a jewelry party, and somebody busts in the party with a gun and looks at the ladies and is like, hey, ladies, give me all your jewelry. Give me all, give me all your money. So these ladies, they're sitting there, and they're like, they're not sure what to do. You can go look at the report. It, they actually thought it was a joke at first, and then he puts the gun to one of their heads. He's like, do it now. I'm going to blow her head off. And you know what one of the ladies did? She stood up. She looked at him, and she said, in the name of Jesus, get out my house. And he said, if you don't give it to me right now, I swear I'm going to blow her head off. She said, in the name of Jesus, get out my house. And then all the other ladies in there, literally, they started chanting, Jesus, Jesus. One of them started, and all the other ladies started saying, Jesus, Jesus. And as she looked at him and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of my house, they didn't have no bat. They didn't have no gun. All they had was the name of Jesus. And as they spoke that in the atmosphere, you know what that man did? He turned around. He ran for his life. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. His name is powerful. His name moves mountains. His name saves us. His name restores us. And there's no power in this earth stronger than the name of Jesus. He has the ultimate authority. So I don't know what you might be going through in your life, but Jesus, he has the ultimate authority. As we look at this story, I want you to be encouraged. Reprioritize your time. What do you value? Do you value the kingdom of God? Do you value his church? Do you value being his disciple? Do you value being his ambassador? If so, your calendar should reflect it. So I just want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know how your time is currently being allocated. But let today be a day where you make a shift. Where you make a shift. Where you allow Jesus to fill you with his power and his presence so that you can make a shift. So that your time would be reflective of bringing glory to God's kingdom. To God's kingdom. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room. I thank you so much for this text, God. We see someone who's rich. We see someone who is poor. But everyone, we see them coming to you. Because in you, we have the answer. In you, we have the truth. In you, we have peace, God. So I pray for everyone under the sound of my room, God, under the sound of my voice in this room, God. I pray that you are allowing us to shift our time, to prioritize your kingdom, to prioritize your work, to prioritize your local church, to prioritize growing with other believers, to prioritize being the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go, to prioritize our time for you, God. We thank you for life. We don't have to be alive, God. Even as I celebrate a birthday, God, I thank you for life. And I pray, God, that we will be good stewards of the life that you've given us, that you will be good stewards of the time you've given us so that at the end of the day you will get all the glory you will get all the honor and you will get all the praise restore our hearts God bring our hearts back to you 
bring our hearts off of ourselves and bring our hearts back to you bring our hearts back to the cross bring our hearts back to the gospel bring our hearts back on the things that are eternal this is our prayer this is our hope in Jesus name we pray amen and thank God